You are Locked On SEC Football, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to your Locked On SEC Football Podcast with training camp just about a week away. Here we go. It is time. He's Chris Landry of LandryFootball.com. I'm Dave Hooker, so be sure and check out LandryFootball.com, and you will learn more about football than you, you ever imagined you could. Also, go to Twillery.com. That's Twillery.com. Use the Locked On promo code. Get $25 off the Locked On promo code, and you will save $25 off some fantastic shirts that are soft, and they don't even need ironing. And I tell you what, we have a ton of recruiting news. I imagine it will start to slow down when the high school kids and uh, the college guys uh, hit camp. But, man, recruiting news all over the place. Georgia, Kentucky, Ole Miss, Arkansas, Texas A&M, LSU, Tennessee, and Auburn. So I'd say the final flurry, at least for a few weeks, of big-time recruiting news across the conference just about everywhere. Absolutely. A lot of uh, visits. Some people had their uh, – well, they, they call it uh, – no, at Michigan, they call it the barbecue in the big house or the Friday night lights or Saturday night lights or Saturday night live. Or they got all these little catchy names where they'll have their little their little visit things and uh, all around the country. So, yeah, it's it's still a, a, a little bit of a flurry, as you mentioned. We'll, we'll have some of that. Look, this is not going to be only a recruiting show. We want to keep you up to date on the players that commit or decommit or whatever visit still and tell you a little bit about them because that's that's the lifeblood of the program. But we've got a lot, as you mentioned, a lot to get into. We're going to start uh, getting practice reports. I'll be out there at a few. I will be um, looking at tape, rather, and, and certainly be talking with coaches on how things are going as they prepare for the season, which – Dave is just right around the corner. It's just a couple of weeks, and we're going to be having week zero in college football. Yep, that's absolutely right. So uh, let's hit on some of that recruiting news. I guess let's start in the east. Uh, Georgia, Kentucky, uh, Tennessee, as I know Tennessee picked up a significant commitment over the weekend. Yeah, Georgia got a commitment from uh, Chad Lindbergh, a four-star offensive tackle, one of the top offensive linemen in the class of 2020. Really good kid. He's from Texas and uh, really developed a good relationship with the offensive line coach, Sam Pittman. So a great job there. They've got 15 commitments to the Georgia Bulldogs, the 2020 class. And uh, listen, they they have done a great job with their offensive line. They're going to begin to obviously going to lose some of those guys. So he's one of the replacements there to look forward to. Kentucky got a really good player in Carrington Bennett of Valentine, um, uh, a four-star kit, as they tend to do, recruit well in finding those type of niche guys in um, in Ohio, Archbishop uh, Moeller High School in Cincinnati. Good basketball player, good athlete, was wide receiver in high school. He's got good hands. Uh, going to really be a good corner for them, plays on that side of the ball as well. Arkansas with a couple of good news over the weekend, later, a lot of part of last week. Uh, they got a verbal from Tyrese Edwards, a quality three-star guy from West Tennessee, Knoxville West uh, High School um, uh, in, in East Tennessee, uh, I, should, uh, I, may, I meant to say. Uh, and a really good player, Drew Francis, is another kid they got. And so John Chavis, obviously, who's not known as a great recruiter, has obviously a lot of background in East Tennessee. Good player that Indiana, Missouri, Wake Forest, the other schools that are recruiting them, John likes them. They also got a um, 
uh, a commitment, as I alluded to, Drew Francis uh, in July. And uh, he went, um, they went, uh, there's another kid from Knoxville West. So Arkansas kind of getting into East Tennessee. Tennessee wasn't as high on some of those guys. So we'll track and see how they develop and whether Tennessee's evaluations on them was correct or not. Ole Miss got a verbal from an athlete, Jabari Small, 5'10", 190, all-purpose back. Curious to see what they do with them. Played running backs, got some versatility to play at receiver. Uh, good with a ball in his hand. So good get for the Revs as a three-star guy. Tennessee with a three-star guy, Jalen Hyatt, uh, receiver, undersized guy, but that can really move, really, really move. He's got uh, vertical speed, good get up for them, uh, good pickup for them. Auburn got a verbal from three-star offensive tackle Jeremiah to right, a 6'4", 320, versatile guy, pretty good feet, can run his feet in the run game. He looks like an Auburn run block and offensive lineman. A&M gets a verbal from three-star receiver Devin Price, uh, went to AM Consolidated School. Uh, it's a, a guy that they obviously like that maybe is maybe not the fit for a lot of folks. Hasn't wasn't recruited by a lot of the top guys, Arizona, BC, uh, schools like that. But they see something in them, see them as a little bit better. And then finally, LSU gets a verbal, a what we call a verbal commitment that commits to a school backs off the commitment, goes out and dates other schools again, but then comes back and gets a verbal. Well, that's whatever you want to classify that, a reverbal, if you will. Um, Jacqueline Roy, the defensive tackle, a big one for them. Um, he was considering Alabama and A&M, but uh, it's a local kid that they um, they uh, thought they were going to get and uh, probably was always in a great position to get. So a uh, good get for LSU over the weekend. I want to talk about those guys from East Tennessee for a second that Arkansas was able to pick up because I know Tennessee fans are incredibly sensitive right now after losing guys like Cade Mays and T. Higgins to uh, Georgia and Clemson, respectively. But you don't think that these guys at Tennessee lost to uh, Arkansas out of state. You, you don't think that they were as high um, on these particular players, whereas this would be considered a loss. Is that fair to say? Yeah, it is. Now, again, just because, you know, I love this, sometimes people say, well, we didn't want them anyway. Well, it, that that's fine. We'll see how well they evaluated these players because if these guys are going to be really good players, then it'll be not well. Hey, well, they didn't recruit them. Well, why didn't you? So that's always the challenge. Uh, no, the, this is not the Cade Mays where they clearly wanted them. Uh, Haynes King clearly wanted them. Uh, and just lost out to them. It's more about they didn't have them rated as high on their recruiting board as maybe some others did. And and obviously with the connection that Chavis has, he obviously believes the coaches there kind of sold them on the guys. They like them. And John being the defensive coordinator and likes both of these guys. Both of these guys are defensive players. So we'll see how this plays out. But at least from who was recruiting them, um, in both cases, it's Arizona, Missouri, Indiana, Wake Forest, Purdue, um, Memphis, you know, Western Kentucky. So we're not talking about Tennessee losing out on elite players, at least from the standpoint of where other coaches around the country uh, see them. On the field news at LSU and also Alabama, Right after this, and we'll have a full Texas A&M breakdown as the, the recruiting 
Recruiting season slowing down, and the football season is almost here. Support on your Locked On SEC Football podcast comes in part from Manscaped. Number one in men's blow-the-belt grooming. You may have seen them on Shark Tank. They offer precision-engineered tools for below-the-belt grooming. Get 20% off and free shipping with the code LOCKEDON at manscaped.com. That's 20% at manscaped.com with the promo code Locked on. More after this. Stay tuned. You're locked on SEC football podcast with Chris Landry. I'm Dave Hooker. You are locked on SEC football, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome back. You're locked on SEC football podcast news out of LSU and uh, Alabama, as it appears as if the Crimson Tide are uh, going to lose out an Wooby Anoma. Uh, how significant of a loss is that? Well, it hurts their depth. I mean, he's a good-looking kid. He obviously was recruited last year, 6'5", 245. Um, he entered the, the transfer portal over the winter. He was talked off of that. Uh, he played in, in spring. Um, but he hadn't enrolled in classes. So, he, he's, you know, right at this point, um, you know, we'll see how this plays out. And, you know, I know Nick was uh, talking about how pleased he was and how he was developing well under new, um, uh, new old linebacker coach Allison Cherry. So we'll see how this plays out. Let's see whether he enrolls um, for the fall semester. But at this point, he's not. So it uh, it certainly would affect their depth. And again, this is not a true freshman. This is the sophomore, um, Weeby Anomo, who was uh, obviously uh, lots expected of. So we'll. We'll see. It would just be a depth loss, but uh, we'll see how this plays out uh, here in the next week or so as um, fall semester is right around the corner. Uh, LSU sophomore Calvin Joseph, boy, we talked about him on and off and on and off this uh, last uh, two months or so since we've been doing this podcast. He visited Florida this weekend. Uh, of course, you remember, really highly recruited talent. A lot of people want him. LSU, Alabama, Auburn, Florida State um, was where he was recruited. Ended up going to LSU. He entered the transfer portal. And his dad said, no, he's not in the portal. So the kid backed out of the portal. Then went back in the portal. Went out of the portal. And back, and so anyway, um, we'll see how this plays out. Now, Florida was a, a, a school that um, wasn't on his final list in the recruiting cycle, but uh, had a good visit. Don't know where they where he's going to go. It, right at this point, Dave, it's about who has a spot for him. He's really good, so I think a lot of people will. Florida's had a really good history of corners. It's pretty obvious that there's some frustration level between the kid, LSU coaches, whatever it may be. Uh, at this point, it sounds like the kid's been wanting to leave. He's been talked into by the coaching staff and by his dad to stay at LSU. At this point, it's about time you wish the kid well, you move on, because guys like that tend to be, you know, disenchanted, locker room lawyers. Uh, you got problems. So at this stage, I think it's it's pretty much a fait accompli that he is leaving Tiger Town. And we'll keep you up to date on where he ends up. Sort of scouting spotlight, a couple of guys that you want to look at. Let's start in the SEC West, LSU and Texas A&M, who has popped up on tape. Well, Christian Fulton is a guy I wanted to mention. He's just got really good strength. Um, 
in, in playing press man, and they play a lot of press man at LSU. He does a good job when they back him off and, and they play in zone. He's got good instincts there, like his balance, like the way he stays on top of routes. He led the SEC corners in along the fewest first downs and touchdowns in 2018. You know, we talk about LSU's corners, secondary as a whole. I mean, Grant Delpit's outstanding, but these corners are going to be outstanding. Stingley's going to play well early. This is a kid that's going to be a high draft pick and a really good one for the Tigers. AM want to talk about Justin Matabuki. Uh, love the 6'3, 300 pounders first step quickness. He can really change quickness into power. Um, and when he finds himself in one-on-one situation, uh, he is really tough to block. So he has a chance to be uh, a top 50 selection in the 2020 draft. So those two guys are, you know, some guys that have uh, come across my radar as I'm looking at tape that I wanted to pass along to you folks. Many others, of course, that will bring it uh, time and time again, but uh, in future days and uh, in weeks. But those two guys are really players you need to pay attention to this uh, this season. And in the East, Georgia, South Carolina, Florida, who stuck out to you there? Well, I think Florida Kadarius Coney is a guy that uh, Tony has developed into a more complete receiver, 5'11", 195. And, uh, you know, I, I think he's a guy that has uh, had to improve his route running. But this guy's got playmaking ability. I mean, he just he's an athlete with the ball in his hands. And I like what they're doing. And he's a check down option, a safety valve option for Felipe, Frank, uh, Felipe Franks. Uh, and Eric Stokes, the redshirt uh, sophomore corner from Georgia, very underrated secondary. Um, he forced the incompletion percentage of 40% last year. That led all FBS corners. Uh, guy's really good. Got uh, got a lot of speed. And Kirby and his staff do a really good job of teaching those guys to stay on top of routes, uh, play through the receiver. I think he's going to step in and be a quality starter for them at corner uh, this year. So coming up, we'll have a preview of Texas A&M. Probably not this year that they can challenge uh, Alabama, but a lot of people think that's coming in the very near future. So we'll get a preview of the Aggies as we break down every SEC team before Ken gets rolling, and we're almost there. Stay tuned. He's Chris Landry of LandryFootball.com. I'm Dave Hooker. More after this. You are Locked On SEC Football, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome back to your Locked On SEC Football Podcast. We've previewed almost every team in the SEC, and it's the Aggies' turn. What do you think of Texas A&M still in a rebuilding mode, but uh, with Jimbo Fisher at the helm, with his ability to recruit, with his ability to continue to develop quarterback uh, Kellen Mond, you just get the feeling that bright days are ahead for the Aggies. Uh, I do. Um you know, but let's let's kind of put it in perspective because I think anytime I call it the Jim Harbaugh, we had a nice conversation about him last week um, on on this podcast on the Big Ten podcast about you know the expectation uh, and with with big money contracts, there's a huge expectation. Harbaugh's making, I mean, he's making you know north of Nick Saban money, and so people say, hey, with that you. You better wear the national title. So I get that. I get that in this day and age. But the reality is, is how often has Michigan won national titles? Well, same thing applies to Texas A&M. No school has ever put together the type of financial commitment for a head coach as A&M has done for Jimbo Fisher. It is, 
you know, $10 million a year deal. Um, A&M, outside of the Don, John David Crow era in the 50s, haven't, hasn't won a national title. They haven't been nationally relevant in terms of national titles. They've been nationally relevant, good programs, but not to the expectation level. But when they made the move to the SEC, they have deep, deep, deep pockets uh, at and in fact they don't even have pockets Dave. they have those what, what do you call those big uh, man purse stuff i mean they just stuff it in there because they got so much their pockets can't hold them so they love to spend money at AM. they love to tell you how much money they got to spend so the expectation is going to be really really high and the recruiting as you've alluded to has been outstanding but let's put it in perspective that it ain't going to happen overnight, okay? You kind of alluded to it. Maybe not this year. Well, I mean, if they go 8-4 and four this year with Clemson, at Clemson, at Georgia, at LSU, and they play some team at home by the name of Alabama, if they go 8-4, and four, that's like going 11-1 and one pretty much anywhere else, not named Clemson or Alabama. That's getting it done. I think if we're talking year four or five, and it's still eight and four. You know, I don't. I don't think you know Jimbo's gonna gonna let them. You know, have Clemson on the schedule anytime soon once they get that off. But because the schedule's tough enough in conference. But I think they're getting there, and I think they're gonna get there. But I I can already hear the narrative of the naysayers when they go eight and four or seven and five this year. Oh boy, that was wasted money. It's so foolhardy for people to say that the program is getting it done. I think the defense has to improve a great deal. I think they've got to get more playmakers on the defensive side consistently. Um, they've, they're starting to build the tight end position because think of the transition. Uh, Kevin Sumlin didn't even use tight ends. That's the most important weapon in the passing game for Jimbo's offense because that's the safety valve for the quarterback, the tight end. So they lost um, – Sternberger, so they got a freshman we're going to talk about that's going to have a big factor and a big say-so in where they go this year. So listen, I, I'm excited. He's got Kellen Mond to play well. They get everybody back at receiver. Now, that's one area that they've been really good, Dave, because that's the, the um, you know, when you, when you look back at the, the, uh, the, the Kevin Sumlin era in the spread set, they benefit, does Jimbo, with all the receivers that they've had, but they can – they can hurt you in a lot of ways at um, at receiver. Baylor Cup is going to be the tight end guy that we need to watch out as an early guy. The offensive line, I worry about their depth. Now Jimbo will defend it, but you know I think they've got some depth issues potentially. They've lost their center, um, and then losing Jim Turner was a big loss. So love their backs. They've got really good depth, and they got the freshman from UCF, Cordarian Richardson. They're a really good-looking group. Loved what Mike Elko did with the defense last year. A great coach. Got head coach written all over him. I know he's on my short list and my coaching search work. Um, they they got better, particularly in the middle of the of the field last year. But they lost a lot of those guys. So uh, we'll see where they go this year, replacing some of those guys. We just talked about one of them. And Justin Matabuki, that I think can be a really good player in the middle, but it's going to be Johnson and Brown and Clemens and uh, and Hines and and, uh, and and Chatham at Nickel. They they've got some guys. They they're not as talented as LSU. They're not as talented as Georgia. They're not as talented as Alabama. They're not at that level. Um, 
they're you know uh, just slightly below Florida at this point. So that puts in perspective where AM is talent wise and schedule wise. Look, I mean, if they beat Auburn, um, if they don't trip up at you know beating Miss- at Mississippi State or South Carolina, I mean this is an eight and four team. If they upset a Georgia or an LSU or a Clemson or an Alabama, that's your ninth win or a tenth win. If that were to happen, you're, you're talking national coach of the year territory in my mind because I don't think they're as close talent-wise, and you just don't flip a switch because Jimbo's there and it happens overnight. I think you hit it on the head. I think two, 2020 is going to be better. The schedule eases up without Clemson, um, and you start to see a little bit more. And 2021 could be the year, but I think it's one of the uh, underrated defensive interiors. Um on offense, they've got a lot of weapons in the passing game. Mon's getting better, and we'll see. Listen, a unit, they allowed 35 sacks last year. It was tied for the worst in the SEC. Um, I think the secondary gave up too many yards last year that needs to be cleaned up. Uh, but they've got a lot of defensive backs, and some of those guys are going to play early. So, listen, they finished. Here's the other thing, Dave. You know how this works. Well, they finished second in the West last year because they were tied and they won the tiebreaker. So, and that's the highest since they've joined the SEC, by the way. So now it's, well, you got to you gotta be better this year. Well, how, how do you really improve upon that? I think it's going to be very difficult for them to finish as good as they did last year because of the schedule. They haven't reached double-digit victories since 2012. They were 11-2 that year. That was the first year in the SEC. That's when everybody started to... Oh, Kevin Sumlin, and he's going to go to the NFL and lock him up because we can't we can't be without him, and we all know where that's played out. Is he's in Tucson, Arizona now? I think the program is really good, but I want to temper everybody. Really good this year, like getting it done, like going unbeaten relative to their talent level is eight and four this year. That's that's what's getting it done this year in my mind. Seven and five means you're losing to a team that's not as good as you are um, in, in, in beating one of those four teams that I mentioned is beating somebody that's more talented than you are. They beat LSU, but that was in college station last year. I know it was controversial, a lot of calls, but LSU is more talented than A&M. So I think the future of the West is still Alabama with, as long as Nick Saban's there. And I think the program that is most intriguing to me, that looks the most dangerous down the road is this team, Texas A&M and Jimbo Fisher. There you go. That's your preview of A&M. I think that's very fair, but, you know, fans aren't always fair. That is your Locked On SEC Football Podcast. He's Chris Landry. you got to check that site out, LandryFootball.com, where more than you can imagine about football, you will be impressed. I can promise you that. Stay tuned. More after this tomorrow, as have a fantastic day, everyone. Be sure and subscribe and leave us a review. For Chris Landry, I'm Dave Hooker, your Locked on SEC Football Podcast.